0: The first time I was head chef, I wasn't ready. Um, I was just absorbing all the work and not delegating. I wasn't empowering people. I wasn't le- I wasn't a leader per se. I was just doing. So going back and then going forward has been probably the best thing for my, my self-development.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The array of incredible produce available, coupled with years and years of migration patterns, has created a culinary landscape in Australia that explores just about every cuisine in the world, but also melds them. We used to get hung up on the notion of fusion, of combining techniques or ingredients from differing cuisines. But it not only happens in Australia successfully, it happens successfully in other countries too. What does the modern cuisine in Australia look like. Scott Lord is the head chef of New Quarter in Melbourne. Scott, how are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's good to have you on the show. You're um, head chef of um, kind of a leading example of kind of where food's going in Australia in in many senses at New Quarter. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
0: Uh, Yes, I'd say it's um, Vietnamese food done through a – a Melbourne lens per se. Um, it's just understanding like the Vietnamese cuisine and culture and sort of playing with flavours around that. Um, I guess like the techniques that I use are, are more um, French inspired, but using like uh, Vietnamese flavours. Um,
1: French technique or French influence with Vietnamese is not uncommon. Um, if you look at the history of cuisine um, in, in Vietnam, um, there's a link there. And tell us a little about you know, the links that you found and the techniques that you're using um, in that sense.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Like, obviously, there's um, the revolution that happened with the French and in Vietnam. But also, the even from my perspective of where I've come from, working in um, French-trained restaurants, et cetera, and then looking at the menu at New Quarter, it's amazing how much the dishes represent what's happened through my career. So, for example, like the beef tartare and the, the barmy finger, they take um, like a pâté that's generally done, um, you know, like brioche at Cumulus, for example, they do pâté on croute, and then taking that sort of merging those techniques but using Vietnamese flavours. I want to
1: explore um, what you are creating there at New Quarter a bit more. Um, you're originally from New Zealand. Take us back to when you were young. What, was, what sort of role did food play in your family?
0: Yeah, it was, um, obviously I grew up in New Zealand in a small town called Dunedin. Uh, I sort of found my passion, like coming, you know, I come home from school, make myself some, some pasta and some two minute noodles and just start twisting and playing around with them. Um, and also like my, my Nana's garden. I I keep thinking about my Nana's garden. She had a a smorgasbord of, you know, she lived in the small town Palmerston and it was just like a smorgasbord in her, her garden. You go out there and pick tomatoes and strawberries and, and I think those things have triggered, you know, like the early introduction of my food career. And then as I moved into high, into high school, it was sort of my cooking teacher that that realised that I wasn't really keen on doing much apart from cooking. So, you know, they had like, they had, they had gateway courses there that were just a great way to to get you into the hospitality re, um, sector. So they've done like two-week blocks of, you know, training out in the, in the field. You're a 17-year-old, you're keen to learn. And I think that's what sparked, you know, the the passion of, you know, hospitality in general for me.
1: Take us back to the early years when you first sort of stepped foot into the industry. Do you have any stories from that time and and what it was like?
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, just flashing back, you know, going back twelve years now, I guess. In in New Zealand, food was more, you know, people would go out and have a big steak and, you know, chips and and all that stuff. So I started off a, a, in a pub. Um, just cooking steaks and then moved into like a seafood restaurant and then it didn't really, for me, it didn't really, the, the you know, I started really focusing when I started working at this restaurant called Pier 24 and it was like, uh, it was, it was run by Michael Coughlin. He's now a lamb ambassador for, in, you know, New Zealand. So he was really well established and really well knowledgeable. And then you had Greg Piner that was also very knowledgeable. So it was great to develop my skills around those two. And, um, yeah that's basically how I started in, in Dunedin and then eventually moving on to Melbourne.
1: Well, tell us about that period of time of moving to Melbourne. Was it something that was always on the cards or how did it unfold?
0: Yeah, I think it was just working around, you know, like a real positive team environment and, you know, people that want you to do better and develop your skills. So it was sort of like a team and a family and they, they were like, you should probably go to Melbourne and, you know, keep pushing and you're young and, and I think it really worked for myself and also my wife. She's um, a nurse, so making that move was quite quite easy to make. Um, and then once we we got to Melbourne, obviously I, I met um, Casey McDonald from Cumulus, and he's a Kiwi also. But he he had previously done pop ups with Michael Coughlin back in the day, so there was that um, common common ground with us too when we when I started working at uh, Cumulus and. Yeah, that's that, that transition from, you know, quiet old Dunedin doing fifty to seventy covers, you know, on a busy night to doing, you know, Cumulus was doing three hundred plus, just absolutely crazy um, transition. What was it
1: like for you personally at that at that period of time of moving to a big city like Melbourne and sort of starting your career?
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting period of my 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 um career. Obviously, like you know. As I say, it was very quiet to being absolutely crazy. And the the lifestyle balance, you know, it, it changed it changed considerably working and you know, at Pier twenty four I, I sneak out and have a surf on my break and, you know, hang out with the guys, have beers every night and then but whereas Melbourne you you finish at like one or two AM, you you're back asleep and then you're back up for breakfast shift and it's more you're encompassed and you you but it's cool that everyone's on the same page and everyone's pushing and everyone's developing really quickly, whereas it may take you a, long, a lot longer in a quieter city. Cumulus Inc. has
1: made an incredible impact on Melbourne's dining landscape, as has Andrew McConnell and, and all the restaurants he's done. Um, what, was, what were the experiences like for you?
0: Um, I think it's a great base to learn all bases, almost stripping back what I learned and starting again. Um, they had great like systems and management and courses and support and structure. It was just, yeah, it, it instilled a lot to me. And um, obviously they had the, the correct people in the right spots when I was, when I was there, um, like Casey McDonald, for example, he's running Craigie range um in, in Hawke's Bay now, which is just dominating in New Zealand. And then you got John Paul, John Paul was the um, development chef. So, you know, he was honing everyone in and, and developing everyone as he was there. So working between those two was just fascinating to watch and just being a sponge and absorbing all their information.
1: You mentioned the French technique that's been the backbone of, of building your career. Um, tell, tell us a bit about that and the venues that had sort of a huge influence on you as you were learning your craft.
0: Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, all the French techniques come back for all the, the base and the mother sources and and just general um, techniques and, and terminology, I guess, is all the the French and butters and creams and stuff like that. So I think it's like, um, yeah, you got all those knowledge and all that power of using those mother sources, but then all of a sudden you open up another toolbox, per se, where you got Vietnamese flavors. So it's just like those two speak to each other, but you just don't know it until you do it.
1: You've had a foray into other cuisines of Asia with with different restaurants. Tell us about those experiences.
0: Yeah, so after Cumulus, I moved on to um, Tokyo Tina. Um, I was a sous chef there. I took a role as a sous chef. That's when I got introduced to the commune group. Um, And I worked under a guy named George. He was a Kiwi also. And uh, yeah, I worked there for a couple of years. And then eventually George moved on to um anchovy he was sushi for anchovy and i took the head chef role of um at tokyo tina and i worked there for a couple years um and that was fascinating transition for me like um going from cumulus you know commie to cdp to sushi pretty quickly so i had a lot of learning to do um just personal development really and and learning how to teach people um yeah it it was fascinating
1: Tell us a bit about what you were cooking there and um, that sort of foray into Asian cuisine.
0: Yeah, so it was probably the first time I'd ever delve um, deep into, you know, Japanese techniques, um, you know, like ramens we had on there for a moment, um, like skewers and ekonomiaki and fried chicken, sort of street foodie, but yet restaurant. So the way it is now is sort of like boughs and Stuff just what people want, you know. Like on Chapel Street, they go there for a beer, they go for their snacks, and it was based around the snacks sort of side of it.
1: One of the real big influences in the last couple of years is, is Sunda in in Melbourne. Uh, do you have any stories of your time there?
0: Yeah, so uh, as I say, after Tokyo Tina, I I was on the pass a lot and um, wanted to go learn. I was getting I was getting to my uh, I couldn't teach myself basically, so. I, I, I searched around Melbourne and I, I came across Sunder, um obviously was on my radar and I went in there and went for a trial and I was just blown away at um, Khan's depth of knowledge, to be honest. He's he's crazy in how much he knows and how he, how he um, uses flavors and different techniques of, you know, he, he has like so many native ingredients on there and different powders. And the first time I've ever used like, um, you know, ultra spurs and, and spices and gums and ice and all that stuff that he uses in ice creams. And it's just so consistent. And the first time I've ever seen a recipe that has a recipe that has a recipe, if you know what I mean, like there's so multi-layered, like the otter, the otter, otter on that menu, for example, already has four, four recipes before you even start sitting it. And there's not even plating it or weighing up what goes on top of it. So I think I learned a lot um, in that aspect of, that the depth of flavor starts from the first source.
1: Well, what did you take from from that time there in
0: Karim? What's what's he actually like to work with? He's very talented. So he's, he's very, uh, he's got an eye for everything and can just spot things from a mile away. Um, yeah, I think he really honed me in, in, in that aspect of just being more aware um, and yeah, just honing in on recipes really and the depth of flavor, balancing it's just, yeah, he's crazy.
1: <laughs> New Quarter was previously um, called Hanoi Hanna and, and owned by the same commune group. Um, how did that gig come about for you?
0: Yeah, so at that time I was at Sunda and I think I was just ready for a change. Um, and then I, I reached out to Anthony. I was just like, hey, um, you know, let's just go for a coffee. And then he said he's got a, a head chef role coming up at New Quarter. So I was like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's go back and go work for the community group. I, I know they're a lovely company to work with. They are um, very supportive and and um, really open to ideas and changes. So, you know, that's how New Quarter was taken from Hanoi Hannah New Quarter to just New Quarter. We stripped it back. And I think that stripping back comes with the food as well. Um, yeah, that's basically how that process went.
1: You, your first head chef uh, geek was at uh, Tokyo Tina and you left to learn a bit more about your craft. What's it like now um, back in a head chef role? Is it, is it different compared to the first experiences you had?
0: Yeah, 100%. I think the first time I was head chef, I wasn't ready. Um, I was just absorbing all the work and not delegating. I wasn't empowering people. I wasn't I wasn't a leader per se I was just doing so I think now I've got to the point where I actually delegate a lot I empower people I have training things in place where I have a good structure of the kitchen and sort of have a bit more awareness of what's going on so I think going back and then going forward has been probably the best thing for my my self-development
1: you mentioned that the food and, and offering is kind of stripped back a little little bit. Um, what's it been like in the last sort of two years and, and your thoughts about offerings in in restaurants? Has the upheaval of the last two years affected your approach and what you want to get out of the industry?
0: I think it's changing. I mean, obviously, the food's going up, prices are going up, and I think the shifts around us all know that (laughs) um the cost is a small part but obviously the offering you know there's more um, vegetarians there's more vegans there's more fructose the way we cook is almost you have to be uh, a rubber band and basically flex to whatever which way we need to cook um and i think when i'm being clever with the dishes like i'm thinking about those dietries i'm thinking about those allergies i'm thinking about how those people are eating it um yeah, I think it's it's a um, really funny time so I think over over lockdown was a good t- a good chance for everyone in hospitality just to have a have a break and reflect on what they're doing and how they're executing what they're doing
1: let's have a look at um, what you're doing there at new quarter um, do, you, do you have a dish or two you can um, share with us um, that sort of exemplifies um, the approach that you have
0: yeah I think um, for example the balmy thing is a classic one um, or, yeah, i have probably got beef up. Yeah, barmé would be the one. It's like um, basically a barmé that I've pressed, um, pressed it overnight and then I cut it and then basically make a little finger shape and then it's done with um, a pate that's really light and it's got Vietnamese flavors infused into the reduction. So there's like Vietnamese five spice, meji seasoning, I'm not going to give you all the recipe, but <laughs> you know, it's, um, piped it's piped into the, the finger and then it's got um, pickled cucumbers to resemble the pickled carrot that you usually get. And, and, um, basically the chicken skin that just gives it a texture and some garlic oil. So I guess that's, that, that's a good dish that shows you like it's, um, it's Vietnamese and it's a classic, but made into something clever and a snack and, yeah, something great to start off your um, starting a meal. Uh, your role
1: has you uh, connecting with producers of the region as well. Do you, do you have any stories of the producers that you've made connections with that feature on the menu?
0: Um, yeah, I'm starting to work with um, Two Hands a bit more. Um, I think they're a great company. They obviously are sustainable and they're, they're driving from the front and they text you and, and, and basically send out what's available and what the fishing's got, got going on. And the Pacific oysters, they just have a stand order. They drop off to us. So they're all, um, you know, signature oysters, great um, suppliers. And, yeah, I love using them, to be honest.
1: What's important um, as you delve into sort of Vietnamese cuisine with that sort of French backbone? When you're putting dishes together, what are the important elements for you to to let it shine?
0: I think it needs freshness, number one. I mean, Vietnamese food is very fresh, um, high acid, but also um, a lot of umami and a lot of structure to it, so it's it's punchy, but it's also easy to eat.
1: Where do you see uh, modern dining in Australia going? It's um, so many influences from um, many countries all over the globe, thanks to migration. But you know, as a head chef of a um, leading restaurant, what, where do you see things going?
0: Um, well, that's uh, that's up to what happens, I guess, with um, supply. <laughs> I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think as, as multicultural, like you got ne- in my kitchen, for example, I have Nepalese, Koreans, Kiwis, Australians, and they all bring their own twists. So it's hard to predict where it's going, but I think the focus more or less will go more down the, the veggie path, um, using a lot less meat products. And wow. that, that's what I envisioned. It probably was going to happen. Uh, and, and people are going to change. Like people have to change. I guess the way we're eating. You've um,
1: started to build this amazing career in uh, in Melbourne. What do you love about what you do?
0: Ah, uh, the people. I think the people. Every morning, like obviously, I live in Melbourne. Um, my family's in New Zealand, so my my team around me is my family. So I think just having that that family and team and developing people around that's what that's what gets me going.
1: Well, Scott, congratulations on what you're doing there down in Melbourne. Um, We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon.
0: Cool. Thanks, Zach. Thank you.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at deepintheweedspodcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.